0: We're in a lesson series called Identify, Five Weeks on Church Identity. We're just talking about who we are. And last week we started, and, and what we should start with is that we are a spirit-filled church, that we make room for the moving of the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe, and that's where we want to be. We want to be a church that's found listening to, being led, and being guided by the Holy Spirit. Right? Um. I want to make just a a few confessions to you this morning. Um, Some of you may agree with me. Some of you may not agree with me. But um, I hate ranch dressing. I despise ranch dressing. I do not understand the concept behind ranch dressing. It is gross. But I've traveled around the world, and for some reason, Americans have this, uh, this... It's almost identified with, with Americans, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, and ranch dressing. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't like ranch dressing. I also, um, I don't think McAllister's iced tea is all that special. I prefer the iced tea my wife makes at home. That's not being sweet. That's just being honest. I didn't say hers was good either, but I just don't, I, I don't understand the, 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 the cult of worship of McAllister's Iced Tea. This one's really gonna get me in trouble. I have never in my life thought to myself, I wish I had a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so cool. Nothing wrong with Chick-fil-A sandwich. I know it's Jesus chicken, but you know, it's... <laughs> I, I, once again, I just, I, I just don't understand waiting in a line that wraps around the block three times... They call, if you're driving up Broadway anytime between nine in the morning and nine at night, it's so packed you can't, you got to move over. It's just me. But see, here's the, here's the thing is that some of you disagree with me, and that's okay. You know why? Because us being different is what makes us Strong. It's not all about everybody seeing everything exactly the same or being exactly the same. That's kind of boring, isn't it? So we see things from from different perspectives because we've experienced different things in our lives. We've grown up in different ways. We've grown up in different parts of the country. We've grown up in, 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 in different from different racial backgrounds, we see things differently, we experience things differently. But when we bring the purity of who we are together, that makes us strong. So I'm going to be in Acts chapter 2 this morning. If you want to uh, turn on over there, if you've got your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay, it's going to be right up here on the screen for you. And I know uh, we were talking about being a spirit-filled church last week, and I didn't use Acts chapter 2. I I resisted that temptation. But we're going to talk about being a culturally diverse church this morning, and we're going right to Acts chapter 2. And let's go ahead and just start in the first verse. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now this is the birth of the Christian church. And I just want us to to recognize and understand that from the very, very beginning, the church of Jesus Christ was a Spirit-filled church connected to the Holy Spirit, making room for the Holy Spirit, not being weirded out by the Holy Spirit. They had never experienced this before. Yet, they were in such a place, and they understood the promise. If, If you move back to Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, hey, go to Jerusalem and stay together until the Holy Spirit comes. And they did exactly what he said do. And this is how the Holy Spirit expressed himself. The very first time that the Holy Spirit falls on the church, it's in a way that we can't explain. They couldn't explain, and I don't believe they expected it either. It just happened that way. But when, when you are a spirit-filled church and you're making room for the Holy Spirit, He is able to move, to be, and to do any way He chooses. Amen. Amen. None of that doesn't mean that we get to be weird. That's that's not our place. You know, the Holy Spirit shows up, so that means we just act like a bunch of crazy people. That's that's not what, what we're meant to do. We're meant to engage. With the Holy Spirit, what is he doing? I've been in a lot of places um, that talk about the Holy Spirit and a lot of what they were doing was not being moved by the Holy Spirit. It was a lot of flesh, doing a lot of things, making a lot of noise. Now, can the Holy Spirit show up and, and make a lot of noise? Absolutely. But what is he doing? I remember a story from when I was in college. One of our professors told the story about how the Holy Spirit just, just came into this church on a Sunday night service. And there was a man who was sitting on the front row who really had no leadership in the church at all, but God really hit him. And he came up on, ran up on the stage and dove off the stage. Now, that would seem pretty weird, wouldn't it? But in that moment, for that guy to have done it, They said, that's God, because that man, you know, he doesn't even raise his hands. He doesn't sing during worship. He doesn't do anything, but God hit him, woo, and he jumped out there, and everybody shouted and clapped their hands and everything. Well, he decided that's how the Holy Spirit moves. So the next service, he did the same thing. The third service, he had a little line behind him. Everybody's jumping off doing it. And finally, the pastor had to go to him and say, hey, God may have been on you the first time, but every, every other time that has just been you doing it. Got so upset, he left the church, took some people with him, split the church. Do you really believe that the Holy Spirit was meaning to split a church? But they moved off and started their own church so they could all jump off the stage, I guess. <laughs> but from the very beginning, The church of Jesus Christ was a spirit-filled church. Room was made for the Holy Spirit to move. And you really want to talk about the the moving of the Holy Spirit. Let's just just stop for a minute. Let me give you a a little little history lessons, okay? Um, God has a plan. Do you believe God has a plan? He has a plan from the beginning to the end. We get involved in it sometimes. But God has a plan, and his plan is not going to, to, to fail. His plan will happen. And I, I love the fact here, we're talking about the day of Pentecost. But if you, if you, if you move back you know, 50 days, it was Passover. And during the same week of Passover, the, the Jews celebrate the, the festival of first fruit. Now, God had set all of this up. Way back when the Jews were first coming out of slavery in Egypt, God said, celebrate the Passover. The Passover was when you took a lamb, you sacrificed the lamb, you took the blood, you applied the blood over your doorpost because the blood said you were to be saved. You got that? During that same week, there was the festival of first fruit where they they, they celebrated the the first things being given to God. And then he instituted 50 days later, there would be the the festival of Pentecost, which is also called uh, the, the festival of early harvest. Listen, Jesus God set all this up in the Old Testament because he knew what he was going to do when we got to the New Testament. See, he had had these types and shadows in the Old Testament, all of them pointing to Jesus, all of them pointing to his new covenant. And in the Old Testament, he said, take the the Passover lamb. When did Jesus die? On On Passover. There you go. I expect somebody to yell out Jesus because we know the answer to every question in church is Jesus. Jesus died at Passover, right? He was our Passover lamb. His blood was not just applied to our doorposts but applied to us. During that same week is the festival of first fruit. When did Jesus raise from the dead? The first day of the week. He was the first fruit. The Bible says that he was the first of many yeah. brethren, right? Yeah. So we've got Jesus as our Passover. We've got Jesus as, a, as our first fruit. Then you go ahead 50 days, you come to Pentecost, which is the, the festival of early harvest. And that's when God decided to birth the church the early harvest, those that he was going to build this kingdom of God upon. You got that? That's a lot better than y'all are acting. Verse 2. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now once again, this is during a festival time, right? So there are people coming from all over, devout men from all over coming to be a part of the festival. Jerusalem was also a center of of commerce. It wasn't just the the Jews' capital. I mean, it, it was the major city in the region. People came from all over to do business in Jerusalem. But God chose to birth the church at the very time when there would be the most amount of people in the city to go along with his plan. And there were these devout men, it says. So this is the second thing I want to show you is that God's heart has always been for all nations. Does it say that devout men were from every nation under heaven? Now, that word nation, the Greek word there is ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnicity from. See, we're we're the ones that, that put up boundaries. God's concerned about people. So he's concerned about every ethnos, every ethnicity under heaven. Verse 6. Verse 6. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Here's another little history quickly for you. Once again, God's plan. God will use even ungodly people and ungodly kings to get his work done. He will. He used kings to to come and and capture Israel because they stopped doing what they were supposed to be doing. God used ungodly men, ungodly kings to bring some discipline to his people. God used other kingdoms and nations. He allowed them to, to rise up and be something because he was going to use what they were bringing. Alexander the Great Starts invading everything. And what does Alexander the Great bring to all this region? The Greek language. That was part of what he did. Everybody will speak Greek. Everybody will be able to communicate together. Everybody that is under control of of Greece at that time, that was part of it. it. It was demanded that you learn Greek, that you study Greek. So now everybody speaks a common language. Then the Romans come along, and the Romans had been under Greek rule, so guess what they spoke? Greek. But the Romans were all all about uh, commerce, so they come along, and they build roads. So when the church is birthed, there was no language barrier, and they could get around really easy because there were roads everywhere, and God dispersed them and sent them everywhere. God used the Greeks and the Romans, ungodly people, to spread his kingdom. So here we've got these guys that they're coming together, and they're bewildered because they're hearing everyone speak in their language. Now, people still spoke tribal languages or local languages, but everybody spoke Greek. And they would expect to to hear people speaking Greek. But would they have stopped and listened To somebody just just shouting out, hey, God's good, God's good, God's good, if it was in their language? But they were hearing it in their own home language, in their tribal language. We're not worried so much about a, a physical language, but guess what? You speak a language. You speak a language that you have learned because of the experiences that you have had in life. You speak a language uh, according to how you were raised, where you were raised, the level of education you may have. You speak a language. And God loves us so much, he'll speak our language. To connect with you, God will speak your language. Here, it, it, it was other physical languages. It was tongues that was being spoken out. And people were hearing that, and they're going, I'm, I'm hearing about God in, 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 in that language that, you know, that I spoke way back home. And that's still valid. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not diminishing it. But a lot of times right now, we just need to hear God speak according to what's going on in our life. And that's how much God loves us. And as we are a spirit-filled church, and we know that a spirit-filled church is going to reach out to the ethnos, we need to be able to, to allow God to speak in other languages, speak to people in other languages. Now, I know, you know, I... I've heard it, you know, all my adult life since I've I've been a Christian, you know, they'll say things like, Well, you don't have to be an addict to to uh, minister to an addict. And I agree. I agree. I don't have to be a drug addict to to minister to a drug addict. But a drug addict that's been redeemed? An alcoholic that's been redeemed? Somebody that that's played in the pig pen and been redeemed? They can speak right to where you are. They know what's going on. And that's God speaking that language to you. I hear them speaking in my language. Someone would only understand who's been through what I've been through. Verse 7. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our own native language? You see, it's only through the Holy Spirit that we're gonna be able to speak to different races, generations, subcultures, genders, experiences. A lot of times, we just want to be with people that are just like us. Because I'm comfortable. I'm more comfortable with people that are just like me, that agree with me, that, that are not gonna cause any problems with me. But there's this wonderful scripture in, in Proverbs that says, iron sharpens iron as a man sharpens another man. You know, if, if, if we're in agreement, now, now think about that, iron sharpening iron, that, that's, that, that's a violent action, right? Now, if we all agree and we're all doing the exact same thing, I mean, that's, how am I gonna, sh- you know, how am I sharpening? That's not sharpening, there has to be some, some conflict. There has to be, there has to be some, some, some coming together and we're going in different directions. If there's not some conflict, there's no sharpening. And when I'm saying conflict, I'm, I'm not saying just great big problems, but I'm saying you see it one way, I see another way, and we're gonna talk this out. We're gonna work this out together. Instead of, instead of like this culture has become, if you don't 100% agree with me, I'm just going to cut you off. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to act like you're not even alive. You have no reason to, to exist or say anything because you don't agree with me 100%. But what if what I, what I know and what I say is only about 50% right? You're not going to get another perspective unless you talk to people, right? So there's got to be a little bit of friction there and willingness to be in the friction so we can be sharpened. See, the friction sharpens us. After I've gone through the friction, I'm actually of more use than I was before. Verse 9. Parthians and Medes Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. It is very important that we are able to talk about God without Christian ease. Now, we all know what we're talking about, right? But if we're really reaching out to people that don't know Jesus, which is what Christians are supposed to be about, right? If we're really reaching out to people that don't know Jesus, and we're just using our our church language... I mean think about somebody that has never been around, never been in church before and you know there's there's a group of people saying, "Hey, we're going over to, you know, to Miss Mary's house and we're going to love on her." Wow. Yeah. That sounds a little weird. Right? Yes. They didn't sing the verse in, in the second service, but in the first service, uh uh one of the songs we were doing talks about, you know, God goes before me and he brings back the head of my enemies. Now, somebody that's never been in church, never been around God, and all they know is kind of some religious stuff, I mean, that sounds, that sounds weird because there are religions that will take the head of their enemy. Now, we're, we're talking about it spiritually, right? Yes. Right? Yes. I'm just I'm making sure. Y'all scare me at times. That's, that's the, the Christian need. I, I had a friend of mine challenge me one time. He said, I want you to share the gospel with me right now. Don't use any scripture or any Christian words. And I went, wow. That's tough. Because we're so used to saying, he said, if you're gonna be able to share with, with people that know nothing about God you've got to be able to speak it in a language that they understand. And here's all these people from all around the world, and they show up during this festival, and God is speaking to them in their language. Verse 12, And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? what does this mean? The world's desperate for answers. They really are desperate for answers. If they're not looking to the church of Jesus Christ, it's because we we don't look like we have answers. Or maybe we are not able to give them the truth in a way that they can understand it. You know, just walking up to somebody that's, that's, that, that's having a tough time and just going, well, hallelujah, brother, God will take you through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, what does that mean to somebody that has never been in church? <laughs> right? Well, being able to walk up to somebody and say, I know right where you are because I've been there. I've been as broken as you are. I've been as hurt as you are. I've been as confused and as angry as you are. But let me tell you how I got through it. And it wasn't that I fasted and prayed. It's it's, I came to the end of myself, and all I could see was a God that loved me. I don't know what you believe about God, but I know that he is a God of love. And when that love embraced me, things changed. They heard the answers that they needed in a language that they could understand. God was reaching out to the ethnos beyond just the Jews. And remember, all these people in the upper room, they're they're Jewish. They had no real thoughts that God was going to go beyond the, the, the Jewish community. But here's God on the day that he birthed the church going, I want everybody to be a part of this. Every nation under heaven. Verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants, in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Right here, the last thing I'm going to show you is that is a prophecy for a diverse church. It's not just men. It's men and women, right? It's not just the young; it's young and old. It's not just the old; it's old and young. You know, a lot of times in churches, this this is this is what we get: is that we have the the uh, the older crowd that wants the younger crowd to shut up and be quiet, and the younger crowd goes, "Well, it's our turn to lead. We want to do this." But the thing is that the older crowd needs to to engage with the enthusiasm and the fire of the younger generation. And the younger generation needs to not overlook the wisdom of those who have been through the fight. But together, together we're strong. There there can be a lot of friction there. I've I've seen a lot of that type of friction in churches. But together there's strength. So let me speak to the elderly. I'll include myself in that, okay? Don't overlook those young ones that are coming up. That's right. You, you, since I'm including myself, that's anybody 50 years and older, okay? You can speak into somebody's life. Right. And young ones, when one of these, these more mature Warriors come up to you. Don't look at them like they're weird. Allow them to speak into you. Receive. And together, we're stronger. See, this this is part of multicultural that we don't talk a lot about. When we talk about multicultural, you know, you guys know I can get on my soapbox and we're just going to talk about race and racism and all that type of stuff. But I really want you to understand and when we're talking multicultural, there is a difference between the, you know, the, the generations that have gone before us and the generations that are coming after us. That is culture. And the culture not just, don't eat donuts in the sanctuary. That's God's holy place. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? But when that, when that mature generation begins to recognize, I'm in that place of sowing into this 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 young generation, and you begin to speak life into them, and you begin to pray for them. How often do we pray for our youth group? Yeah. Don't even raise your hand. <laughs> don't even raise your hand. I don't embarrass anybody. If if this is our our. Our our next generation of leaders, of pastors, of warriors in the kingdom of God, why would we not be sowing into them? Why would we not want to play music that that appeals to them? And we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Look, I, I, I don't like Southern gospel music. I know there are people that do. If you like southern gospel music, we'll we'll have a singing up here on a Saturday night and Pastor Sam will lead it. But sow into that next generation. And then speak life into them. Pray over them. And young people, receive it. Receive it with honor. All right. So... The message of Pentecost really is that a Spirit-filled church will be culturally diverse. And verse 41 of Acts chapter 2 tells us the result of being a Spirit-filled church that is ministering into cultures. It says, so those who received the word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. God started that church, the first Christian church, the church of the upper room in Jerusalem with about 140 people. But because they allowed the Holy Spirit to move, because they moved beyond the the easy, before the day was over, God started revival. Before the day was over, 3,000 people had joined the church. Now, I don't know any church in America that 3,000 people are running to this morning. I hope there's one. I do, I hope there's one. But we've got to be who God has called us to be. We do. We've, we've got to be who God has called us to be. We've got to get, when, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, Growing up in church, even before I was saved, you know, I I I didn't get saved till I was I was in college. But the church that my parents were in, they always talked about the rapture. The rapture, the rapture, the rapture, the rapture, the rapture. In other words, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. I heard it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Jesus is coming back. I don't hear it that much anymore. I told somebody that, you know, we as Christians, we, 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 we don't even have the ability to drive in the middle of the road. We just flop from ditch to ditch. If we're over in the ditch talking about something too much over here, well, we're just going to swing over here to this ditch where we talk about nothing. We need to get that heart again that Jesus is coming back. You know, the last thing that Jesus said in the Bible... The last thing that Jesus said at the end of Revelation is, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. And I know we sit there and we think, well, that was 2,000-something years ago. He didn't do it quickly. Well, in the whole scheme of time, it really is quick. He's coming back. But what do we need to do Revelation chapter 19 says that the bride makes herself ready. The bride makes herself ready. Is the bride making herself ready? That's not just, you know, putting on makeup. I'll tell you one thing. June 23rd, 1990, my bride made herself ready. And I'm standing on stage and that back door flies open and there she is. I mean, it was like doves were flying. There was music from heaven. You know, there was obviously a a fog machine. It it was just, ah. The bride had made herself ready. The bride was irresistible to the groom. Are we being irresistible to the groom? Are we making ourselves ready? As Christians, are we making ourselves ready? As as a church, are we making ourselves ready? I want to read one last verse to you. It's Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. It says, And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, And of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the trees were the healing of the nations. Once again, the word ethnos. Oh, won't it be great when we get to heaven and we get the... The, the, the healing waters of, of this river and we get the, the, the healing leaves for, for the nations. We won't need it in heaven. We need it now. Our job is to pray, Lord, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. As a spirit-filled church, our job is to pull heaven to earth and if there is healing for the ethnos in heaven God intends for it to be in his church now because the kingdom of God is here now I'm a product of the 1980's (laughs) that was my high school years my formidable years and I'm absolutely convinced that the greatest band of all time is you, too. So I'm gonna quote you, too. It says, I believe in the kingdom come when the colors all bleed into one. You broke the bonds and you loosed the chains. You carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Here we are as the church of Jesus Christ. I know God wants to do amazing things through his body. Not just new covenant, but every church that he has instituted and he has planted. We are the kingdom of God. but I'm still looking for it. I can feel it. I can smell it. I can almost touch it. And I think we're on the verge of God doing something great in America. I really do. I know that's easy to say, but I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. I believe God's gonna do something in America and it's gonna come with the healing of the ethnos as his church connects with the Holy Spirit. So I want you to do something with me, if you don't mind. We're going to take communion in just a second. If you feel comfortable, if you don't, it's okay. Will you just take the hand of the person next to you or somebody close to you or put a, put a, put a hand on a shoulder? You know, sometimes guys don't want to hold each other's hands. It's okay. Just put a hand on somebody's shoulder. Just do something like that. Is that Okay. And I want us as New Covenant Church. If you're here and you're you're not a member of New Covenant Church, you're not a part of New Covenant Church, that's okay. You can still pray with us. Because when we pray, we pray for the kingdom. I'm not asking God just to bless New Covenant Church. What a selfish prayer that would be. Because my brothers and sisters are in church all over town today. I want God to radically shake East Texas. All right? So as, we, as, as, as we're just joined together, let's just pray. And you just agree with me. Just, just believe this prayer. Holy Spirit, we are your church. You birth your church. And we want to be filled with your spirit. And we want to be led and guided by your Spirit. And as you lead us, we know that your heart is for your church to be the healing for the ethnos. So Father, we just agree together and we believe, we believe that you are the answer to racism, to division, to hatred, to anger. You, are the answer so we agree together those of us that are part of New Covenant Church we say Lord our church is open to you you move as you choose and we choose to be a multicultural church but Lord we pray for East Texas Lord there's so much history of, of yuck there's history of division there's history of classism and sexism and racism that has run rampant. But Lord, you, you have prophesied that you will pour out your spirit on all flesh in these last times. And Lord, we believe it is the last times. So pour out on us, pour out on East Texas. Lord, we pray for for every church in East Texas that they would have an encounter with you like they've never known before. Lord, that every pastor, every minister would have an encounter with you like they never have before. Lord, and their heart would be for unity, unity, unity. And Lord, move in the churches of East Texas. I don't care what denomination they are. Lord, you love those people. Move amongst your people. Move, Lord and do something in East Texas that we can only blame on you. Nobody will get glory for it but you. People will say, what's going on in East Texas? They're bewildered because they're hearing words and it's being spoken in their language and it's shaking things. Lord, let it be. Let it be. As we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done.